not obligatory? No, seriously. I probably wouldn't. I mean, I'm not saying obligatory. I'm saying if it wasn't from the dean, if it wasn't something that a law legislated, would you make hajj? Go walk around? No. Okay. So what is, but would you take a vacation? Yeah. And would you spend more money than you spend on hajj? And would you exert more effort than you exert on hajj? Probably. Probably. No problem. So that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has told us to do it for hajj, then we do it. We love Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We want to please him, and that's what he obligated upon us, and we were going to do it. We get up with time for Fajr. Five o'clock now these days, 4.55, here. Okay. So you get up for Fajr. Do you know that there are people all over the world that get up before that to go to work? Right? So if it was work and that's what you had to do, wouldn't you do it? Yes. So why not get up for Fajr? There's nothing I'm, across the board. Even the sisters, you might say, well, she wouldn't wear hijab, you know, if it wasn't an obligation. I've seen non-Muslim women who cover themselves similar to Muslim women. Why? Because it's cold outside. Huh. Say, okay. I mean, the point is, you're doing it anyway. You're doing it anyway. So the deen is not difficult. A deen yusr. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made the deen easy. Our problem is we keep looking at it as extra stuff we have to do. But if we looked at it as things that draw us closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and that by our hearts being attached to the creator that we gain so much in terms of personality, in terms of real itmitnan, yani real tasting the real sweetness of life, real tranquility, because your heart is attached to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So consider these things when we talk about loving Allah azza wa Ibn al-Qayyim, rahimahullah ta'ala, mentions 10 ways to develop love for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And you're going to write them down now. Barakallahu fikum jami'an. 10 ways to develop your love for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is taken from his famous book, Madarij Sadiqeen. The first, we're going to kind of race through these. Reciting the Quran and reflecting and understanding its meaning and its intent. Number one again is what? Not just reciting the Quran. What else? Reflecting over the Quran. The point of this Quran is that you reflect over its meanings. To reflect over its meanings, you have to know what it means. So tafsir is your first level. Reflection is a level that comes after tafsir. So you recite the Quran frequently. Number two, drawing closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala through a nawafil, through optional deeds after fulfilling your obligations. And this requires some fiqh. Because all of us have a common denominator, right? We all have to do certain things. We all have to pray five times a day. We all have to fast in Ramadan. We all have to make hajj. We all have to be dutiful to our parents. We all have to take care of the rights and responsibilities uh, for our spouses and so on and so forth, right? That's uh, all of us, 
Okay. But then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, and these are the things that are most beloved to Allah. But then Allah says, after that, there are nawafil, optional deeds. And a person will continue to do them until I love him, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says. So when we look at that, we also have to recognize that we're individuals. And whatever, Allah's, whatever door Allah opens for you, you need to excel in that door. You need to excel in that particular you know, aspect of Islam. Maybe Allah has blessed you to be generous. He's blessed you with wealth, and he's blessed you to be generous. That might be your door to enter paradise. And the Prophet said that the people of Sadaqah will enter Jannah from the door of Sadaqah. The people of prayer, yani that is those who go above and beyond what is normal. The people of prayer will be called from the door of prayer. And the people who fast, that is they go above and beyond in fasting, they will be called from what door? It's the only door that has a name, by the way, other than, okay. So when you, when you think about these things, you see that people will excel in different areas, and that's what we need as a community to survive. Everybody can't do the same thing, and that's fine. Don't look at what everybody else is doing. Look at what door Allah has opened for you, and then go in that door and excel. Number three, to be constant or continuous, regular, in the remembrance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, with your tongue and with your heart. Your tongue and with your heart. Or I should say with your heart and your tongue. Because the dhikr starts in the heart. But the tongue also has an effect. So if you get yourself used to just saying, subhanAllah, alhamdulillah, wa la ilaha illallah, Allah akbar, even if you're not thinking about it, it's still dhikr. And then, bi-idnillah, if you think about what you're saying, then that is another level of dhikr. And sometimes your dhikr might be only in your heart and you might not say anything. And your eyes may begin to tear because of you thinking about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's number three. Number four, that you give precedence to what Allah loves over what you love. So if there's any conflict of interest between what you desire and what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala loves, then you give him preference. Number five is to know and contemplate the names of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. As some of the Salaf used to say, there is no one that knows Allah but must love him. If you really know Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you will love him. Tayyip, somebody bring back one through five. One through five. This is an open book test. One through five. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Right. Number six. Number six. To recognize. Uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's favors and bounties. To recognize his favors and bounties. I mean, when you really realize 
the favors that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given you, you can't help but to love him. Jalla Jalala. Allahu Akbar. Okay, the seventh reason. And Ibn Qayyim calls this the most wonderful, the most marvelous of all of the seven is that you approach Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with a totally broken heart. I mean, what does that mean? That you are totally broken. That you, what does it mean when, when we say that you're broken? Huh? Helpless. Overwhelmed. Okay. Sorry? Hurt? La la, it doesn't mean hurt here. Uh, if, if when, when, when people go to the armed forces, right, the first year, first couple months that they're in the armed forces, do, do you know what the superiors do? They call him what? We break him. Not, they don't hurt him. They let him know who the boss is. They're going to make him do all types of things. Not necessarily that there's even any particular reason behind it, but just so just so that he loses all, yes, his ego is out the window. And he is submissive to the boss, to the superior. This is how you want to be in front of Allah. Totally broken in front of Allah. Ya ayyuhannas, antumul fuqara ilallah. The, the eighth is to recite the Quran and pray to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the last third of every night. To pray, reciting the Quran, reciting the Quran and praying in the last third of the night. And uh, seeking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's forgiveness and repenting to Him at that time as well. The ninth is to sit amongst the people who you believe love Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. To sit amongst them to be with them, to reap the fruits of their speech. To emulate them. And the tenth and final thing that he mentioned, rahimahullah, is to stay clear of anything that distances the heart from Allah. Anything that takes you away from the remembrance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now, these are 10 different things that, wallahi, if we work on them, it'll keep us busy until we meet Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And we should be conscious of that day. And we should really try. And this doesn't mean, wallahi, let me just tell you this too. Don't try to do all 10 at once. If you're not from the people who are doing some of these things anyway, don't try to do all 10 at once. If you are... Already, alhamdulillah, you recite and you reflect over the Quran and you pray in the last 
to last third of the night, but there are other things that you haven't done. Increase one by one, gradual, gradual, because that is more likely that you will remain firm on it, and it's not just going to be a hype thing. It's very important that you implement these things in your life. Some other things related to love, because the next few uh, hadith, inshallah, are going to be uh, covering the topic of loving Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Uh, in, this particular, in this particular hadith, sorry, just to go back quickly, it says that there are, whoever has the following three qualities will taste the sweetness of Iman. And I, I want you to just think about that wording there. The Prophet, والسلام, talks about Iman having a taste. And it is tasted by the heart, in fact. Now, the same way that if one of us was, had a cold and was congested, you would not be able to enjoy the normal foods that you love. You, would, you, you could still eat, but you wouldn't enjoy it because you can't taste anything because, because you have a cold. And, and it's the same thing for the heart. If the heart is congested, if the heart has an illness, or it's surrounded by sins, then it's not going to taste the sweetness of faith. And the, one of the greatest things that you can have, as the Prophet ﷺ mentioned here, is that love of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that will remove that congestion of the heart and allow you to taste the sweetness of Faith. Play. I have a conflict of time here, but this issue is very important. So what we do, we'll cover the next hadith, and, uh, and then I'll do some other comments. The next hadith. What did we title that first hadith, by the way? Huh? Love. <laughs> loving for the sake of Allah, loving Allah, loving for Allah. Anas ibn Malik, radiyallahu ta'ala anhu said that a man asked the Prophet wasallam. in some narrations, uh, he mentions that this man came from the desert. He was, a, he was a Bedouin. And they used to like when the Bedouins would come to the Prophet wasallam. Because the Bedouins didn't really have any, like, code of manners, you know? So they would ask things that the rest of the campaigns would be a little shyer to, to ask the Prophet ﷺ. They wouldn't be as keen to ask them the same way. So Anas ibn Malik says that this man came and he asked the Prophet ﷺ, متسعه, When is the hour? When is the hour? When is Yom Al-Qiyamah? And the Prophet ﷺ responded by saying to him, what have you prepared for it? In other words, when is not really an issue because you don't have any control over that. What you need to be concerned about is preparation. What have you prepared for it? The man said, he said, ما he said, uh, He said, I haven't prepared for it many prayers 
or a lot of fasting or a lot of charity. But I love Allah and His Messenger. Okay. Uh, I'm going to comment there real quick and then, I'll, and then we'll finish the hadith. Some people think this hadith means that the man didn't pray or he didn't fast or he didn't give sadaqah. Did you understand that from the hadith? No. No. He says, I don't do a lot of that. In other words, I don't go above and beyond what is obligatory in these things. But he does fulfill his obligations, clearly. He says, but I love Allah and his messenger. The Prophet said to him, you will be with those whom you love. You will be with those whom you love. This hadith is ajeeb, jiddan. It's a very interesting hadith, inshallah ta'ala. After you come up with the title for it, we'll discuss it. You have uh, 30 seconds, inshallah. Who's got, a, who's got a title for me? Getting ready for final exams. Allahu Akbar. For the final, the final exam. Okay. Yes. Yes. For the love of Allah, what? I, I can't hear him. What? The ultimate reward? For love of Allah. Okay. Yes. Again, superiority of the actions of the heart, okay, over the actions of the limbs. That's interesting. Okay. The basic concept of? Of the hour. I wouldn't go with that. Okay, let, let, let's, let, let's take a look at this hadith, inshallah. Um, again, again. We are talking about actions of the heart. We are talking about loving Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and his messenger. Ibn Battal, rahimahullah ta'ala, who was one of the first uh, people to explain Sahih al-Bukhari, he says that the meaning, it's interesting, I, want you, I kind of want you to follow this. He says the meaning of this hadith, and Allah knows best, or, or to explain why is it that a person is with the one whom he loves, is that those who love the righteous, love them for what reason? It, they, they love them because they are obedient to Allah. They love these righteous people because of their obedience to Allah. And since love is from the actions of the heart, Allah Azza wa Jal 
has rewarded him for this action of the heart in a manner that is similar to his reward for the righteous people because your intentions are the asal. The intentions are the what? How would you translate asal? This is the root of the issue, is the intention. And actions are what follows. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives his virtue to whom he wills. Now, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to break this down for you in a second, inshallah. Hopefully, hopefully you don't, uh, hopefully you can understand what I'm saying. Let's look at an action. I just stood up, right? That's an action. Okay. Um, so, hey, stand up. How did, how did you just stand up? How did that happen? <laughs> ah, okay. So you, first, first thing is you had to want to, right? You can sit down. Zakallah <laughs> he, he wanted to obey me. Jazakallah khairan. So he wanted to stand up. Okay. And then what did he do? He had the ability to stand up, right? If, for example, somebody was in a wheelchair or something like that, or they had some problems with their legs and they couldn't stand up, then even if they wanted to, it wouldn't happen. Why? Because they don't have the ability. Now, Suhail is somebody who has the ability to stand up, and he wanted to stand up. But what if somebody, let's just say, was a lot stronger than Suhail, held him to the chair? When he tries to stand up, what's going to happen? He's not going to be able to stand up. Huh? He's going to struggle, but he's still not going to stand up. So the issue we have here is that every voluntary action is made up of an intention, ability, and the lack of, or that there's a, a void of obstacles, the lack of obstacles. Understand this point. All right. So here, what, what Ibn Battal is saying is that this person, this person, his niya is to do what? It seems like, this is what he's saying, that his niya is to be of the worshipers. He wants to be righteous. This is his desire, right? But perhaps he does not have the same abilities that they have or that there are obstacles that keep him from being able to be like them. For example, you may be a certain way, but because of your family and your children that you have to care for, which is your obligation, by the way, you can't pray as much as you would like to, or fast as much as you would like to, or whatever it may, but you have that desire. But there is something that is preventing you from doing so. I want you to understand that well, because it's going to come again when we talk about that actions are by their intentions. Okay? A person is with those whom he loves. Or you will be with those whom you love. In that other narration, a person is with those whom, uh, whom they love. Al-Hasan al-Basri, rahimahullah ta'ala, said about this uh, particular statement, of the Prophet ﷺ, O son of Adam, don't be fooled. 
Don't be deceived by the statement, a person is with he whom he loves. Because a person who loves a people will follow their way. A person who loves a people will follow their way. And you will not be amongst the righteous. You will not catch up to the righteous until you follow their path and their guidance and emulate them. And that you begin and end your day upon their way, their methodology, their minhaj. Striving to be from amongst them, and so you follow their path. And if you are, if you fall short in your actions, the bottom line is that you are upon istiqamah. Even when you fall short, you should still be upon istiqamah. And that's what we talked about earlier. That falling short should not mean that you fall into sin, either leaving off obligations or doing what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has prohibited. I'll stop there for the sake of time. Number 13. Abu Umama. Radiallahu ta'ala anhu said that the Prophet alayhi salatu wa salam said, Man ahabba lillahi wa abghadha lillahi wa a'ta lillahi wa man'a lillahi faqad istakmala al-iman. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa said, Whoever loves for Allah's sake, or anyone who loves for Allah's sake, hates for Allah's sake, gives for Allah's sake, and withholds for Allah's sake, has completed faith. It's collected by Abu Dawood al-Tirmidhi, and al-Labani rahimahullah ta'ala graded it as authentic. Uh, in this hadith, oh, Malish, take 30 seconds and come up with a title for this, please. Huh? Bismillah. What do you come up with? What's your title? In the back. Somebody in the back. Okay, go ahead. Yes. Do actions for the sake of Allah. But we're talking about what? Yes. Loving for Allah. Yes. Righteous actions. What righteous actions what? On the... In the back, here, here, yeah. Superiority of intention, okay? Tell you, yes. Sorry? The recipe for complete faith. I like that. Criteria for complete faith. Excellent. All right, so we'll stop there. What are these criteria? What are they? 
How many are there? Four. Okay, so we have, we have four criteria here. What are they? Loving for Allah's sake. Uh-huh. Hating for Allah's sake. Okay. Giving for Allah's sake and withholding for Allah's sake. Okay. Loving for the sake of Allah. Now, we, this, this has come also in the first one. When we, talked about, when we talked about the sweetness of faith, that you love a person, you only love them for Allah. How do you know you only love somebody for Allah? Sorry? One second. Let the, let the sisters answer. Even if you're bad to them, they're bad to you, you're good to them. Yeah, go ahead. It, it's, no, it can't be unconditional. It, it has to be conditional upon their obedience to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You have no expectations from them. You, they, so what, what that means is what? When you love somebody for Allah, and it's not, trust me, this is not easy. To think that it's easy, you're fooling yourself. Because it means that you don't expect any benefit, no worldly benefit from this person whatsoever. That's a high level to get to. So you, you share no interests in general. No worldly interests with this person. Uh, maybe it's beneficial at this point if we go back and we talk about the two types, two major categories of love. Uh, I'm sorry, but we have to. Otherwise, this stuff kind of, where does this fall in? There's two major categories of love, okay? We have a specific and general. The specific love is, is all related to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So you have loving Allah and that's what we talked about in the beginning, which requires you to be obedient to him and so on and so forth. You have loving for Allah. And then under that same category, I find under yes, you have loving for Allah, which is like what? What do you love for Allah? Sorry? No, no. Uh, it's a little different. Loving for Allah's sake. Okay, so... Praying to Hajjud. Okay, so, so let me just tell you this. There's, there's two. There's loving what Allah loves, and there's loving for His sake. Why do you, why do you love the prophets and messengers? Because they, they brought Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's message. Because they were close to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Because they were the most obedient to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So we love them for the sake of Allah. Loving what Allah loves is obedience. As in, we love, like somebody said, Qiyam al-Layl. We love Mecca and Medina. We love Ramadan. We love, because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, loves these things, right? And then... Under this category is the fourth one, which is actually shirk, and that is loving others with Allah. So these are these are the things. These are this is the love that is related to 
Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And a lot of times they call this servitudinal love or mahabbat al-ubudiyyah. This is, this is love that is a form of worship. It's a love that is a form of worship. Right. We have another category, which is general love. This is not a form of worship. And there are different types under this category. So you have natural love, right? Like the food that you, that you like and foods that you enjoy, uh, clothes that you, this is, uh, this is a natural love. They call it hub tabi'i. Then you have what they call merciful love. Like what? Like a mother, like a mother loves the child. Now, this is also natural, right? That a mother loves their child. But it's a, it, it takes a different form, which is why they call it merciful. Natural, you, like, you love honey, for example. That's, that's natural. There's no mercy involved in that. Okay, it's part of... But, the, but this kind of merciful love, or a father for his child, for example, this is merciful love. The third type is what they call congenial love. You love something because it's familiar. It's like you. So you might, for example, um, let's just say people who work with you. You might develop a certain kind of because you all are in the same boat, as they say, right? You develop a certain kind of love or affinity for, for these people, right? And then the last one that the scholars mentioned under this category is uh, reverential love. That's like the love that a child has for his or her parents, that a student has for his sheikh, and so on and so forth. All right? So... If we come back now and we look at this, anyone who loves for Allah's sake, then what, what could possibly be under this category? Huh? No, both things. Both things. This, this, this here is loving for Allah and loving what Allah loves. Both of that comes under this category. So you love this thing for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's sake. Type hating for Allah's sake. Is that okay? We're Muslims. We're not supposed to hate people, right? Huh? So they say. Type. So yeah, we, there's there's a lot of things that you in order to be a true believer, you have to hate what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala hates. Allah is what hates kufr, he hates shirk, he hates the shaitan. I mean all of that. And then people who embody that then they are hated according to their embodiment of it. Tell you. Which, which, is why, which is why someone may be a Muslim and they will actually, yani, they're, they're, there's degrees. In other words, they'll be hated for some of the things that they do and loved for other things that they do. Tell you. Give for Allah's sake. Giving for Allah's sake. That's clear? Like what? Sadaqah. What else? Huh? Yeah, see, that's the thing. You don't just give money, your time, your energy, your status. All of these are things that you give for Allah. And if you stop at thinking that this, that this here is 
giving only your sadaqah for Allah's sake, you're going to fall short. You're going to fall short. We all have things to give. Withholding for Allah's sake. Sorry? Your anger. So you, you, you withhold that taif. That's good. What else? What else? Oh, I know, I know a lot of people who give their children things that they shouldn't have. They're not withholding for Allah's sake. They've given in to the pressure. But mommy, everybody else has one. Okay. Right? But if you withhold for Allah's sake, 